Hey everyone, I hope you're all safe and well in this crazy season of life and um, I hope that you're enjoying a really nice Easter at home um, and that you're ready to hear from God. So let's pray as we come to God's Word. Lord God, our world is in chaos, turned upside down, uh, recently with coronavirus, but we thank you that you know what we're going through. Lord, you know everything that we're experiencing, and we come to you to this time. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us at this time. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today the message that we most desperately need to hear. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of our family traditions, uh, since our kids were little, was to do an Easter egg hunt on Easter Sunday. And uh, um, our three kids would uh, go around the whole backyard. We'd have hit, hidden Easter eggs around the whole backyard, under bushes, in plants, and our kids would run around trying to find these Easter eggs. Um, it was a fun activity, uh, and... You know, there's these bright, colourful eggs. They're like little jewels, like wrapping in those chocolate eggs. Or sometimes we would paint eggs ourselves and they'd be like colourful, kind of uh, those, those eggs that have been kind of washed with this colour. And they're this symbol of life, isn't it? A symbol of um, goodness and life and hope for the future. And as I think about it, um, there's that beautiful symbolism is like uh, there's something to it, isn't there? There's, there's these kids running around the backyard and they're searching for life. Well, maybe just for a chocolate, but, you know, you, you stay with me on the metaphor. Um, it's like us, I think. Uh, we're all searching for life. We're searching for not just being alive, but there's got to be more to this life. We're all searching for um, this fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness, whatever you call it. We're searching for this real life. What is it? What is this real life? You know, sometimes our kids, they'll go on the Easter egg hunt and uh, they won't be able to find the Easter eggs because they don't know what color it is. They don't know how big it is that they're looking for. And they need a little bit of a hint. So we have to give them a hint. Okay, it's a, you've missed one and it's a, it's a red one and it's, a, it's, it's down really low in a corner somewhere. And then they get uh, what they're looking for. They know what they're looking for and how to find it. And it's like that with our search for life, isn't it? Sometimes we don't know what we're looking for. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we don't know what we're searching for, what we're yearning for, these unnamed desires and longings of our heart and soul. But at Easter, we find that Jesus shows up and he not only um, tells us what we're really searching for, but he shows us where to find it in this Easter egg hunt of life. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
And here at Easter, Jesus names our undefined longings. He identifies this elusive treasure we're all searching for and he shows us where we find it. And it's all right here in these events of that first Easter. It's all right here in the death of Christ on the cross and the resurrection of Christ from the grave. If you joined us um, for Good Friday, I'm sure you would have been impacted as Wayne took us back to that events of that, um, that Good Friday that unfolded 2,000 years ago as Jesus was betrayed and abandoned and executed on a Roman cross. But this was not just some Middle Eastern teacher of a countercultural movement of love and peace falling victim to political and religious corruption. This was God's plan. Jesus told us, told his followers even before it happened, this is what had to happen to fulfill God's plan, to overcome the powers of death and evil that cripple us and our world and to give us real life. When Jesus told his disciples beforehand that he would be killed, he said that he would die as a ransom for many to win us back from sin and death. And the average Aussie today might say something like this, to take away all our bad karma, to take our bad karma on himself. The pattern of the universe of sin leads to death. The cosmic law of retributive justice. Jesus breaks the age-old curse upon the earth and he gives us new life. But how do we know? How do we know that this is real when life seems to just keep going on as usual? How do we know when we still struggle with the curse-wreaking havoc in our world and in our own lives? When we see environmental destruction, when we see natural disasters, dangerous pandemics, that threaten us, our economies, our loved ones, our jobs, our incomes, our security, our very health and life itself. We all sense that this is not the way the world was meant to be. This is not the way that life should be. But all of this is no surprise. In fact, it's expected Jesus says that there'll be great suffering. The Bible consistently points to things getting worse before they get better. But it also gives us resolute hope. We can face whatever may come because the battle has already been won when Jesus rose from the grave. The proof that Good Friday has worked, that Jesus' death on the cross has been effective, is Easter Sunday. Jesus' resurrection proves that his work has been done. 
So let's take a walk in the garden to, to the tomb of Jesus with the two Marys on that first Easter Sunday morning. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You know, there was a stone across the, the tomb in these kind of cave-type graves. And the guards were placed there at the request of the religious leaders because the religious leaders remembered that Jesus had said he was going to rise again after he died. And so they wanted to make totally sure that this wasn't going to happen, that no disciples were going to come and fake it and steal his body. So they had Roman guards making sure that that couldn't happen. But they couldn't stop the unstoppable of God's plan and God's power in Jesus. And it's interesting, isn't it? They said his appearance was like lightning. You can imagine this is probably taken from the women who were the first eyewitnesses there who saw this angel come. And you can imagine the, the people asking, well, what, what did he look like? What did this angel look like? And the women go, oh... I don't know, the best I can describe it is he looked like lightning. Lightning, that's pretty scary, isn't it? Um, imagine the guards, it says that they fell down as though dead. No surprise they were catatonic, right? If there's a guy standing there who looks like lightning. And here we get this glimpse of this, this amazing glory and power of God. This isn't God himself, this is just an angel. But even the angel, the messenger of God, is just overwhelming to these hardened Roman soldiers. We get this glimpse of Jesus' glory. We saw with Dr. Gill last week looking at Jesus' transfiguration up the mountain with Moses and Elijah and Jesus went shining white. It sounds like the same kind of thing this pulling back of the curtains of heaven to get this little glimpse of the supernatural of God's glorious power. And here the women get another glimpse of that. We see again who Jesus is. We see again that Jesus is the Son of God, God in the flesh, God with a body. In Jesus, God has come into our world and revealed himself. The Word become flesh. And we see here that there's more to this life. God is real. We can see He's real because He really showed up. We are made by Him. And Jesus comes to teach us about God and to show us who God really is. And we see that we are made for this amazing purpose. To know God. To love God. To be loved by God and to live for the true purposes, the good purposes that he gives us. Next we read, 
The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. You know, there's a traditional tomb site in old Jerusalem where they think that um, that that may be the tomb of Jesus. Well, I'm not sure they got it right. Uh, who knows? Um, but there's a real place where Jesus' tomb was. And the angel invites the women to come and see. The women have gone there looking for Jesus. And the angel says, you're looking in the wrong place. He's not here, he's risen. You're looking in the place of death, but he is alive. He's overcome the grave. And he, he says, come and see. He doesn't ask them to just believe it on blind faith. He gives them evidence. Come and see where he lay. They probably go and look inside the tomb and some of the other gospel accounts tell us that Jesus' grave clothes are there, empty. There's no body because he's risen. Next, they're given something to do. Not just come and see, but go quickly and tell. The angel says to them, go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. You can imagine it, right? You've seen an angel who looks like lightning. He's told you, um, hey, the, the project of um, uh, making Jesus' body, com uh, his, his, um, his body burial completed by finalizing those last processes of the kind of mummification that they used to do, um, the embalming of the body, that plans off because actually he's not dead, he's risen. You're going to be feeling shock and awe and afraid, but you're going to be feeling real joy. And I don't know where the best, you know, like the best analogy for this is. I'm thinking like a roller coaster. You're feeling fear and joy at the same time. Uh, we went um, to SeaWorld with my, my kids at the, um, the last holidays. Well, glad we got it in before everything shut down. Hey, that was the first time that they've ever been to a theme park. And uh, they went on a roller coaster and there was that simultaneous thing of like, I'm really, really scared, but hey, I'm really, really excited. And this is, this is amazing. And I guess maybe that's just, it's not completely the same, but it's a little bit the same of what the women would be feeling here. This strange mix of fear and joy and amazement at what God has done through Jesus and of actually meeting the risen Lord Jesus. It would have been a huge adrenaline rush. I'm sure a roller coaster can't even come anywhere close. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him 
clasped his feet and worshipped him. You know, this is a, a statue of Jesus um, in Brazil, uh, Christ the Redeemer. And this, this statue, I guess it, it captures something of Jesus' humanity. Uh, he's holding out his arms outstretched in welcome. And it also captures something of his divinity. He's up among the clouds, majestic. And I wonder, as those, I don't know what Jesus was doing when the, the ladies met him, when he says greetings, just that one simple word. I don't know what he was doing, how he was standing. We don't get told those details. There's only one response these women can make, and it's to fall down and worship him. One of the things I notice, which I think is really beautiful in this story, is it says they clasped his feet. They, they fell down and clasped his feet. They realized Jesus is God and, and only God is worthy of our worship. They worship him. But he's God with us, Emmanuel. God with a body. You can hold on to him and they clasp his feet God come near to us lastly Jesus says to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me it's interesting here the second time in this short little uh, section that the women hear the words, do not be afraid. It's something they really needed to hear. And something that we really need to hear, isn't it? In this time of fear and pandemic, do not be afraid. Jesus is risen. Do not be afraid. And go and tell my brothers. Jesus calls his disciples his brothers. God comes to us and treats us like his family. And he says, go and tell them to do this, they will see me too. In a world of uncertainty, of fear and death, Jesus' resurrection gives us a solid hope, true peace and real life, the life that we've been looking for and searching for the fulfillment, the meaning, the hope, the happiness of knowing who we are, why we're here, because we know God, because we've met God, and because we find our, full, our fulfillment and our meaning and our purpose in Him. And we find this life not only for this life, but that He has won victory over death. He's defeated death. And the the reality of what he's done in the cross in taking away that burden of unfulfillable expectations all of the wrongs that we have done that he has taken all that away and given us forgiveness grace that has been proved 
effective by his rising from the dead. You know, it's not how we thought we'd be celebrating Easter this year, is it? At home, with our families, um, not being able to go out, um, all of these things, maybe some of us have lost our jobs, I know. Some of us have health conditions that put us at higher risk and we're scared, we're at home, we're having to be super careful. Um, all of the things we're going through, we didn't expect this a year ago, even a few months ago. But we can face these situations knowing that God has got all things under control and ultimately that he's defeated our greatest enemy, even death. So I want to leave us with three take-homes. Three take-homes for, um, for, I guess, particularly reflecting on this situation of COVID-19, we find ourselves and the resurrection of Jesus. Firstly, I want to encourage you to keep that vision of Jesus' glory. Keep that vision of the risen Lord Jesus that gives us joy amidst our fear, that joy of knowing Jesus, because we know we can trust him no matter what. Uh, you know, this is going to be a hard season for us as a church, for us as individuals, as families. Um, but we can get through this no matter what happens because we know that God is with us, that Jesus is with us, and we have seen that vision of his glory. Like we sung last week, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Secondly, uh, not only uh, how can we fix our eyes on Jesus and keep that vision of God's glory, but uh, like these women, we need to have that response of worship, don't we? That response of worshipping Jesus. You know, in this tragedy, I guess we have to think about, well, what are the opportunities that are there? What is God trying to teach us all through this? Let's not waste the opportunities that this gives. While everything is shutting down, maybe we've got more time to avoid all of the distractions and the things that we've been running after and really come back to worship and focus on God in worship, focus on the Lord Jesus. Maybe we've got time to come back to Bible reading and really meeting God through the Scriptures every day, starting the day in God's Word, being encouraged, built up, knowing God and what He's doing through this, hearing from Him every day, shutting out all the noises and the voices that will drown out our spiritual life and growing spiritually through coming to God and hearing from in His Word, reading the Bible. Maybe it means that carving out that time for prayer, making sure that the first thing we do in the morning isn't check the phone, the messages, the, all of the, the demands and noise upon us, but that we come before God in quiet, simple prayer. Rely on Him, trust in Him, pour out our burdens to Him, take our griefs and our needs to Him, 
and trust Him to provide. Maybe God's calling us to remember prioritizing church together, coming together as a church to worship Him together, to go to small group and really encourage each other, be there for each other. Make that commitment to being there every week for your brothers and sisters, encouraging them with whatever they're going through and being encouraged and supported through this. As things shut down, we have opportunities to to put in place and strengthen these disciplines of spiritual life that will form us spiritually and shape us spiritually into more and more the people we really want to be, the people who are living that life of satisfaction, of peace, that real life in Jesus. And thirdly, and lastly, and probably most obviously, this means that we don't have to fear death. And I don't say this lightly. Looking at all of the death that's unfolding around the world and the real potential that this uh, pandemic will actually mean that some of our loved ones die, that some of us in our community die. This is a, a heavy thing, and I don't say it lightly at all, but Easter Sunday means that we can even face death with sure hope and confidence because we know that Jesus is the one who has defeated death. Jesus is the one who rose from the grave. If I die from COVID-19, I want you to celebrate Jesus' gift of eternal life. I want you to remember He is not here. He has risen. I want you to remember if I die in COVID-19, that the reality of the victory over death that Jesus gives. You know, I hope you'll grieve a little bit. <laughs> Maybe you'll miss me. I'm sh- I hope you'll miss me a little bit. But I hope the lasting thing is a celebration that I am now in glory with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord, the reality of God's resurrection power for every one of us, that death is just a doorway to life eternal when you trust in Jesus. That there is the hope of glory, a life forever with God. No more suffering, no more evil, no more grief and sadness in this life. And I hope that every one of you has that same hope, that same joy, that even if this comes to the worst case scenario of our own death, that we can face that with sure hope and joy in Jesus. That's what Jesus came to give us. Fullness of life now and the promise of real life for eternity. You know, someone explained it, a friend of mine explained it to me like this. Uh, Their child asked them, Daddy, what happens when we die? And they told uh, their child, look, you know when you fall asleep on the lounge and, and you wake up the next morning in your bed 
how do you think you got there? And the kid says, you carried me. And it's like that with Jesus. When we fall asleep in this life, we can trust him to carry us safely to the new morning of eternal life.